Generally, uh, there are times when all of us are uninterruptible. There are, are times when we do not allow ourselves to be interrupted by others. So for example, for myself, uh, if I'm counseling someone, I'm in a one-on-one meeting with them, I'll put my phone on do not disturb. I'm not taking text messages or phone calls because I want to give my full attention to the people who are sitting in front of me. Um, Or if I am watching a hockey game, that is serious business. And so you can call me, but I'm not going to answer. I'll call you back during the intermission or when the game's over. And so there's certain times, maybe for you, it's while you're watching a movie. Uh, Maybe for you, it's on a date night. Uh, It might be at work or when you're immersing yourself in a project. But there are times where like, hey, we're not accessible. But there's always an exception for me. And that is when my wife is urgently trying to call me. And so I could be in a meeting with someone, and if my wife calls twice, I know it's urgent. And so I'll pull my phone out and say, I apologize, but I need to take this call. It's my wife. And whoever I'm meeting with, they're always really understanding. When I say, hey, my wife's calling, they're like, you, you got to get it. I totally understand. Uh, that's totally fine. Now, why are they so understanding? Because it's family. Because it's family. And, and family and urgency... Is something that's just culturally accepted by people. Most people just, just accept that that takes precedence over anyone else and anything else. And so today in our text this morning, we're going to see that Jesus gets an urgent phone call from his family. And shockingly, he doesn't answer. And through this, Jesus is going to teach us something as a church of what it means to do life with him. You see, we're in a series right now here at Beach Point called Life with Jesus. And in this series, we are looking at the fact that God doesn't want us to do, just do life from him or to live our lives for him, but we're supposed to live our lives with Jesus. And so we're journeying through the book of Mark. And as we walk through the book of Mark, we're looking at what it teaches us about doing life with Jesus. And so now we're in chapter 3. And by chapter 3 of Mark, what we've seen already is that Jesus is starting to heal. He's doing miracles. And crowds are starting to show up. People are showing up in crowds wanting to follow and, and, and hear Jesus' teaching and to see some miracles. And so where we pick up, uh, there is a crowd. Jesus is with his disciples in a house. We, we presume that he's somewhere on the Sea of Galilee, probably Capernaum. He's in a home. It is crowded. It is packed. Uh, a ton of people are there. And Jesus and his disciples skip a meal. Now, have you ever done that before? Where you're busy, it's a busy day at work, busy day, whatever's going on, and you skip lunch. Well, Jesus and his disciples, they got so many people they're ministering to, they skip a meal, and Jesus' family catches wind of this, and they're like, he's out of his mind. Like, we need to, to do something, we need to step in, because Jesus has left the family business, this, 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 this business that should provide for us, this carpentry business. He's gone off becoming a rabbi, a teacher, a wandering teacher. He's got this following. Now the crowds are getting bigger. He's getting so consumed with this that they're skipping meals. And this is getting out of control. And so his family travels from Nazareth, which is about 40 miles away, to come and to get Jesus and to bring him home. And so we're going to pick up, we'll see that, that they're, they're traveling there uh, in Mark chapter 3, beginning of verse 20. Turn there with me. And Jesus' response to his family is going to shock the audience, is going to give us a teachable moment about doing life with Jesus. So Mark chapter 3, in the black Bibles in the rack in front of you, it's on page 1004. Mark chapter 3, turn there with me to verse 20. 
So then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his, Jesus' family, heard about this, they went to take charge of him. They went to take control of him. For they said he is out of his mind. So Jesus' family thought he's going crazy. And now they're deciding, we're going to have a little family intervention. And they wanted to take Jesus back to Nazareth. And by this point, the last time we heard about Joseph, Jesus' father, Jesus was 12. So somewhere between Jesus being 12 and 30, Joseph has passed away. But his mother and his younger brothers um, are going to come and try to get him to, take, to bring him home. And so they arrive at the house. The house is packed. Jesus and his disciples are in there teaching. And so it's so crowded that his family just sends word. And someone travels in to tell them, your family's outside. So go down now to verse 31. So it said that, that they were coming to take control of him. It says this, then verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. So they finally got there. It was about a 40-minute travel. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Now imagine they pause at this moment, everyone's quiet. And you got to think about the fact this is early on in Jesus' ministry, and so people are trying to figure out who Jesus is and what is he about. And at this moment, Jesus is teaching all these people. And so they would have expected him to press pause on the PowerPoint presentation, you know, put away the sermon notes and say, hey, I've got a phone call. It's my family. It's urgent. They've traveled here. Um, Let's hold on. And everyone would have been understanding. But that's not what Jesus does. Verse 33 says this. Jesus responds with a question. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. You ever notice that Jesus is always asking crazy questions throughout the scriptures? And here's another one. Who are my brothers? And who is my mother? Jesus asked. And now you got to be thinking, the guy who like brought the message in, like the guy who met with them outside, came in and just told Jesus they're outside, that guy's thinking to himself, "Mm, Jesus, I think it's the people standing outside. Like uh, they said they were your mom and your brothers. So I think those are the people. So Jesus asks this question. And then verse 34 says this, Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, his disciples and and the crowds of people. And he said this, Here are my mother and my brothers. And if you've got like an older version, like King James Version, it says behold. And I just picture Jesus doing like one of these with his hand, you know, like behold, here, he says, here are my mother and my brothers. Verse 35, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, let me just say, this is not a text that you use on Mother's Day. Like, we don't preach this one on Mother's Day. Because it's like, Jesus, your mom's standing outside. She's traveled 40 miles. It's urgent. Like, she wants to talk to you. And you're leaving her outside. So we don't use this on Mother's Day. But... Jesus' response is shocking to us, but it was even more shocking to his original audience. Because Jewish, uh, Jewish culture, the identity was shaped more as being a part of the group, a member of the group, than it was as an individual. And so that's why genealogies are so important in the Bible. Seeing someone's lineage was so important in the Bible. 
But, but we don't think that way, do we? Like if after the service, if you and I had never met before and I walked up and I came and shook your hand and said, Hi, I'm Ken, son of Earl, son of Joseph, son of Tommy, son of Steve, son of Matthew. Nice to meet you. Who are you? You'd be like, that was awkward, right? You're like, I don't know how to respond to that. Because we don't think of ourselves in terms of our lineage. That's not how our identity is, 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 is thought of in our culture. We don't think of ourselves as a member of the group. We, we think primarily of the individual. Hi, I'm, I'm Ken, and I'm a pastor. Who are you? And you say, hi, I'm so-and-so. And then we, we, we define ourselves by what we do, largely, in our culture. But they would have defined themselves by their family, their lineage. And that's why genealogy is so important. And so when Jesus says, who is my family? It was shocking to these early listeners. But Jesus takes it as an opportunity to redefine family. What I believe is Jesus wasn't trying to destroy the immediate family. In fact, if you look on Jesus when he's on the cross... While he's on the cross being crucified, he says to one of his disciples, John, John, take care of my mother and, and, and take care of her. She's now your, your uh, son and, and uh, mother and you are her son. And, and John takes Jesus' mother into his home. So Jesus still cares for and respects and loves his family. So I don't think Jesus is lowering the bar on immediate family. Jesus is not saying to you kids, disrespect your parents or or don't love your siblings or parents don't take care of your kids. He's not lowering the bar on the immediate family. But what I believe Jesus is doing, he's raising the bar on something else. He's raising the bar on another type of family. And that's our big idea this morning is this, that life with Jesus enlarges your family. When you do life with Jesus, when you say yes to following Jesus, it enlarges your family. You become a part of a bigger family. You become a part of the family of God. And so Jesus was declaring that we who do the will of God, we who follow God, we are family. Church, we are family. We are brothers and sisters. And I've got to be honest, I think that a lot of us got more than we signed up for. <laughs> Didn't we? Because for some of us, we said yes to Jesus because we first and foremost wanted to deal with our personal sin and receive forgiveness for our sin. And we wanted to start a personal relationship with God through Jesus. And then maybe we came to a church gathering like this because we wanted to hear some good teaching from the Bible so that we could grow closer in our personal relationship with Jesus. And we wanted to go to a church that had good worship so we could feel spiritually connected in a more personal way with God. Maybe for you it's like, hey, I wanted somewhere with a good kids program. So find a good program for my kids so that, that we as a family, we as a family could be close to God. But then somewhere along the way, a pastor like this gets up and starts talking and says, hey, guess what? When you said yes to Jesus, we're family now. Surprise! We're family. And you're like, what? And you're, you're thinking to yourself, like, like I wanted a, a vertical relationship with God, but I didn't sign up for a horizontal relationship with these people. And you're kind of looking around and you're like, some of these people I hardly know. You're looking around the room and you're like, some of these people I'm not sure I even like them. Right, but, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When you said yes to Jesus, when you said yes to living life with Jesus, you were adopted into a family. And Jesus redefines family for us. 
We are brothers and sisters. Jesus looks around the room and he says, this is my family. And he redefines family for us. And so church, we are supposed to be family, not just friends. We're supposed to be family, not just friends. You see, friends are people that like things that you like. Friends are people that you have shared interests with. Friends are people that you can relate to. And so you gather around whatever it is that you can relate to. And so for some people, it's like, oh, we're into cars. Like these guys are like, I'm into cars. You're into cars. Cool. We can hang out. We'll talk about cars. We'll go do car things. Other people, it's like they're into fishing. And so they, they, they hang out. They go fishing. They talk about fishing. They, you know, they plan trips to go fishing. And that's their thing. And they, they, they have that shared interest. Other people, uh, maybe it's like shopping. Shopping's your thing. And so you go shopping with your friends. Uh, for others, maybe you like to read. And so you form a book club. And you guys have a shared interest in reading. And you talk about those books. But friendship gets formed around these shared interests and these, these ways that we're able to relate to one another. And then we just baptize that and put Christian in front of it and we do the same thing, right? So it's like we'll have Christian people who like cars and then they get together and do stuff together. And then Christians who like fishing and they get together and then Christians who like shopping and they'll get together and they form a support group as well uh, to deal with that. And then Christians, you know, so we, 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 we baptize it. But that's not how family is. Like, family is diverse. Think about Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, you got grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, nieces and nephews, maybe even random people sprinkled in, you know, that were invited. And so you got the family all together, this extended family, and it's kind of diverse. Like, if you start talking politics, you quickly realize we're not all on the same page. Like, there's some different viewpoints here. You start talking faith and religion, there's some differences and different viewpoints. You, you might not have shared interests. Like, there's some people in the family that are like, let's play games, we love games. Other people are like, we hate games, we're not playing games. You know, some people that it's like, hey, we just want to drink. Other are like, we don't drink at all. Like, there's a diversity. But what brings us together, we're family. We're family. And so we might not even have shared interests, but the bond is there because we're family. And church, we are family. And I think God is less concerned with us relating to each other around common interests. And God is more concerned with us being family around a common father. Can I get an amen? amen. See, we are a family. And Jesus is teaching us that the most important family in the world is the family of God, the church, the body of Christ. But i got to be honest, this personally is tough for me to swallow. Because to me, immediate family is so important. And church is so optional, right? I mean, if we don't like a church, we'll just leave, move on, and find another one. That's how we roll. But we don't do that with family. Like, if I'm upset at my parents... I don't just leave them, get rid of them, and then go shopping for another set of parents, right? It's like if I'm upset at my parents, I don't just leave them, go on Yelp, write a bad review. Those parents are horrible, right? Then I go on Amazon, look for some new parents that come with two-day free shipping on Amazon Prime, and get some new parents. But that's the way we treat church. Why do we do that with our church because we don't think of church as family. We think of them as friends. We think of church as simply friends. And when it's not working well, we just move on. 
Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Pastor Ken, this sounds all good, but I've got to be honest with you, it doesn't feel like family. Like, it just doesn't feel like family. I think that's fair. But I've got to be honest with you, I don't feel like I'm on a floating orb flying through outer space right now, spinning at 1,000 miles per hour, rotating. But the reality is we are. And the fact that I don't feel like I'm spinning at 1,000 miles per hour right now doesn't nullify the truth that we, we are. And the fact that it might not feel like family at times, because we don't, don't do it perfectly, doesn't nullify the reality that it is. The truth is we are family. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus says, this is my family. You are brothers and sisters, and we are united by a heavenly father. And he places his Holy Spirit inside of us. We are family. You don't get to vote on it. I don't get to vote on it. Whether you like it or not, Jesus decided it. We are family. It's a package deal. And so I want to challenge us this morning to actually live this way, to actually live as family. We were not created to live the Christian life on our own. We were meant to do it together as family. And so this sermon is titled Church as Family. And what I want you to do is turn to the person next to you and say, you are my family. Turn to someone and say, you're my family. All right, now, now turn to someone who's not your family, someone else who's actually not your family, and tell them, you are my family. All right, so we've established we're family. You've seen some people around you that are not your immediate family. They are family. They are brothers and sisters. But what would our church look like? Let me put this question up here. What would our church look like if we truly lived out Jesus' vision for church as family? What would our church look like? What would Beach Point look like? What would this community look like if we actually lived out Jesus' vision that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And not just like, oh, that's cute. Like, that sounds like old school church thing. Like, hey, you're my brother. You're my... But like, what if we took that seriously, that we are family? We're family. And so I want to give us real quickly four kind of family values of what it could look like for us to live this out. Four practical ways and values for us to live this out as a community. And the first one is this, that we share our stuff with each other. Family shares its stuff with each other. Growing up, I, I shared a room with my brother Keith. And so Keith and I, had, we had bunk beds uh, for a long time. And we shared a room. We had to share a lot of our stuff, uh, including for, for a while we shared hockey equipment, which is pretty disgusting uh, because like sweaty teenage boys, like they did get stinky and nasty and whatnot. But we were on a budget and, 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 and we had to share hockey equipment. Like we had to share stuff. So I know what it's like to have to share your stuff with other people. But that's what family does. We share our stuff with each other. And so we're supposed to share with one another. And parents, um, you naturally, it, it, I think for most parents, it's, it's pretty natural for your kids to be able to make those kind of sacrifices. Like it, it doesn't feel that, that difficult when you're having to share your stuff or financially invest in your kids. But Jesus is saying we're supposed to do that for the church. Like we're supposed to do that for each other. We're family. 1 John 3, 14 says it this way. This is how we have come to know love. This is how we know what love looks like. Jesus laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives 
for our brothers or sisters in Christ. He's talking about church as family. If anyone has this world's goods or stuff, as I'm saying, and sees his brother or sister in Christ in need, but shuts off his compassion from him, how can God's love reside in him? You see, the church is a family and we share our stuff with one another. But you might be thinking to yourself, what if I don't know what other people need? Like, what if I don't know what the needs are of the other people in this room? And I got to say, in, in a church the size of Beach Point, you won't be able to do this for everyone. But you can do this for someone. You won't be able to know the needs of everybody in this church, but you will be able to know the needs of somebody. And you will be able to share your stuff with them. And kind of two practical ways that this plays out. One is, as a church, we have something called a benevolence fund. And so maybe you want to financially give towards the benevolence fund. And, and it's a fund that we use when someone in our church body is in need, of families in need, individuals in need. Um, we, we have a team of people who, who will disperse those funds out to help people, whether it's paying a light bill or, or paying their rent that month. And so maybe God will put it on your heart to, to give above and beyond gift and saying, hey, we want to help those in our church and give towards the benevolence fund. Or another way, I think the, one of the best ways that this lived out is in life groups. Is, is committing to be a part of a life group. And the reason is because it gives you a group of people to say, hey, these are my brothers, these are my sisters in Christ, and, and, and I'm going to share my stuff with them. And so I have heard stories of, of, of people in a life group that were going through a tough time, and, and the life group rallied together and paid for someone's rent payment that month. I've heard of people in a life group who, a family, their car broke down, and they were going through a rough time. And the people in the life group rallied together to buy the family a car. You see, we're family. We share our stuff with each other. The first thing is we share our stuff with each other. The second family value is this. We share responsibility for one another. So this moves beyond material needs. This moves into the emotional, spiritual, heart issues, caring for one another, walking through things with one another, protecting one another. I'm going to ask you, have you ever watched brothers, as children, boys who are brothers, have you ever watched them play? And at some point you're going to see them wrestling, rolling around on the ground, maybe even swinging at each other, kind of yelling at each other. And if, you're, if you've watched that behavior before, um, so I'm one of four boys. Uh, my wife is from a family of all girls. So when we had our first two children, our boys, she was like, what's wrong with them? Like they're fighting, all this stuff's going on. She's like, I don't know what to do with this. And, uh, and the reality is, if you grew up in that, or you've had boys, or you've grown up in it, brothers, that's just how they show love, okay? That's just their, their love language towards each other, is that wrestling and fighting, the whole deal. And the way that you know that they actually don't hate each other, because you're like, they hate each other, we messed it up. The way you know that they don't hate each other is, is, is let another kid from the playground come over and try to mess with one of them, Right? Because what's going to happen? The older brother is going to step in and say, you don't talk to my brother like that. You don't, you, you know, you don't touch my brother. You don't. They will step up and begin to protect the little brother. Now, I grew up with this in, in my family, having three older brothers. Um, I've been in many fights only with them. Um, because, uh, and, and I have never won a fight in my life. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, but being the youngest, you know, just get picked on all the time. And so they would pick on me. And they would call me Sweet Baby Kenny. Now... <laughs> Now, none of you are allowed to call me 
sweet baby Kenny, or I will get my brothers to come and take care of you. But they would pick on me my whole life, but no one ever else picked on me. Why? Because I had three older brothers. And we're family. And so they might pick on me, and we might have, you know, our issues or whatever. But, but if anyone else tried to step in, my brothers would protect me. And so I, I've never been in a fight before, because if there was a fight coming, they would deal with it. They protected me. Why? Because we're family. We're family. And family protects each other. Family takes responsibility for each other. Family bears with one another. Family walks with one another. We share responsibility for each other's lives. And we are supposed to be family. And I'd say even at age 34, like my, my, my brothers and my parents um, don't live close by, but I would, if they needed something, if, if they're like, hey, we really need you in person, like we need you here, I would drop anything, hop on a plane and go be there at once. Why? They're family. But why don't we do that for the church family? Why wouldn't we do that for one another? So Jesus is saying, you and I, we are bonded together with something that's even stronger than family blood. We're bonded together through Jesus Christ. We are family, and family shares responsibility for one another. Third thing is this. Third family value is this, that we stay embrace the pain, and we grow up with one another. When things get tough, we stay, we walk through the messiness, we embrace the pain, and we grow up with one another. You see, one of the dangers in us talking about church as family is that we can easily put it on a pedestal. Like in this morning, you can be like, you go, Pastor Ken, this is awesome. Like, I love this idea of church as family. This is so great. It's great until we actually walk in it. Because as you live church as family, family drama happens, just like any other family. Like things get messy, personalities collide, people hurt other people's feelings, the claws come out, and you know, like family drama happens. But instead of just blasting a Yelp review and moving on to the next church and and leaving those people behind, we stay We embrace the pain. We work it through. We have family meetings. And we work through the conflict together. That's what family does. Now, maybe right now as I'm bringing that up, there might be be some relational conflict between you and someone else in this church. Maybe there's some issues that are going on. I want to encourage you to, to reach out this week. Maybe there's relational conflict in in your actual immediate family, extended family. Maybe you need to reach out this week and say, hey, can we meet up? We need to talk. We need a family meeting. We need to address this. We need to talk about this. I give you permission right now. You can get your phone out. You can text someone right now. Like, don't delay this. Like, say, hey, we need to, wait. We need to meet up this week. We need to resolve this. We need to work this through. And if in a moment my phone starts blowing up, you know who the problem child in this family <laughs> is. But we stay, we embrace the pain, and we grow up with one another. The last family value is this, that family is about more than a husband, a wife, and 2.5 kids. Now, you might be wondering, where did I get 2.5 from? Uh, my wife and I, we're about to have our fourth child in February, and yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, my second uh, fan over there. <laughs> Grandma, no, just kidding. Um, so we're about to have our fourth child 
But currently at this, this moment, 2.5 children seems like the ideal uh, family size. You know, it's just chaotic and whatnot. So kidding, but not kidding. All right, so 2.5, I just came up with that as the ideal family kid size. Um, but when we talk about family, we mean beyond the immediate family, right? As we're talking about church as family, we're talking beyond the husband, wife, 2.5 kid family model. We are family here. And what that means is you belong, No matter who you are, you belong. It doesn't matter if you're old or you are young. You're family. It doesn't matter if you are male or female. You're family. It doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, if you're divorced, if you're widowed. You're family. It doesn't matter if you're homeschooled, you're a high school dropout, you've got a PhD. You're family. You belong here. And we are a family. And so we embrace that. We embrace that through our relationships with one another. We embrace that by adopting people into our lives. The people in this room become your sisters, your your brothers, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your kids. We adopt people into our lives in the church family that aren't our blood family, but they're, they're, they're just as real family, Jesus says. And so we adopt people into our lives. Family is about more than a husband, a wife, and 2.5 kids. We are family. My son's been uh, working on this little Lego project here, and this is a, a Star Wars X-Wing. Uh, we're missing two wings that we're still working on. And, and Lego is built up of a bunch of little Lego blocks, right? And so Lego pieces all come together, and this one's got about 200 pieces that all come together to form this one thing. And I want you to think about this piece as an individual in our church, an individual who's here today. And now some of us have this attitude of, I don't want to be a part of this church thing. Like, I want me and God like, I want for me and my family, like, us and God thing, but, like, I don't want to, like, really be a part of that whole deal over there. I, I, you know, I'm just here for, like, me and my relationship with God. But God is building together a family. And the scriptures say that, that God is, is, has decided that instead of residing in a temple in Jerusalem— in this building made of bricks in Jerusalem where he, his presence was for many, many years, God has decided that he is going to place his Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, that we are his temple, that he is building a people, a family. And he places his Holy Spirit inside of us. And so, and so we are meant to be a part of this beautiful thing that God is building called his family. And when you and I decide I'm not going to be a part of that, then, then we miss out on being part of this beautiful thing that God is building. And we as the church, we miss out on the beautiful thing that you bring. All that you bring. Your personality, your gifts, your talents. You see, church, we are a family. God is building us together under the leadership of our Heavenly Father. And you see, Jesus says that life with Jesus enlarges your family. As we look around this room, we are brothers. We are sisters. 
We are family. So what I want to do is I want to end things a little bit differently this morning. I want to invite us to a family prayer time. And so I want to invite you to grab maybe two, three, four people sitting around you. If you can get some people that aren't your immediate family, um, that would be great. Grab some people around you and just quickly share, how can I pray for you? Everyone share a prayer request and then dive into prayer. We don't have a lot of time for you to go, uh, 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 I don't know. So just dive right in, share a way to pray for one another. But we as a church, we don't want to just be a church where we don't know each other. We don't care about one another. We're family. And so let's have a little family prayer time and then the team will close us with a song of worship.